This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. Showtime, showtime, short-term rental management with Luke. Uh, It is a great day for a wonderful day, and I'm super happy to be here today. Uh, We've got Stephen Gilmer. We're going to talk about uh, container homes, uh, vacation containers. Very exciting stuff. Uh, But without further ado, before we get into that, let's uh, hear a word from this week's sponsor. This episode of The Short-Term Show has been brought to you by your friendly short-term shop real estate agent. We are hyper-local and totally dedicated to your success. Whether you want to buy your next short-term rental or sell the one you currently own, we would be honored to earn your business. We are in all of the best vacation markets in America. Find us at theshorttermshop.com. That's theshorttermshop.com. Brokered by EXP. All right, all right, all right. Here we are. We have arrived. It is showtime with uh, Stephen Gilmer. Uh, Stephen, uh, I, I really, I'll be, be honest, don't know a whole lot about you. We did another podcast together. That's how I met you, and I was fascinated, so I wanted to get you on the show. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your real estate journey thus far. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I actually started my career in the restaurant business, and uh, I always dreamed of owning my own until I did. Uh, and, uh, when it went belly up, I went belly up and I didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. Finally, uh, as I was rebuilding my uh, career in the, in the automotive industry, I came across, uh, this book, uh, rich dad, poor dad. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. That's this, this, uh, I got to accelerate. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Um, and, uh, so I, I was in Memphis at the time, ended up picking up a couple of single family homes and a condo. Uh, and I thought, okay, this is, this is exactly what I want until I started having the turns every year and, uh, costing me more money than I made in cash flow. And I thought, okay, well, I don't like this as much. Um, it's a lot of work and I'm not making much money at it. So, uh, then as I was in, uh, in Nashville and then transitioning over here back to San Antonio, I came across a podcast on uh, bigger pockets with Avery. And I, so then I bought the book. And uh, short-term wealth, like short-term rental, long-term wealth. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and read that was not that planned, by the way. If you're watching on YouTube, that was yeah. not scripted. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I'm like, okay, well, I think this fits. You know, it fits better with what I was trying to accomplish in my life. You know, nothing sucks more than being 40 and having lost everything that you had. Uh, so fast forward 15 years later, and uh, because of the investing in real estate, I've been able to build up to to now have a look to the future where, hey, I can actually do something with my life in the future and not have to work until I'm 80 years old. Um, and then the containers uh, all came about with just networking with like-minded people that love real estate. Uh, several of us in the neighborhood just got together. Uh, one one of them was already in the uh, in the space of apartments. And so she was like, hey, I got this land that I that I found. What do you think about doing something? So we just all kind of got together. We brainstormed and we came up with this. That what ultimately became the Container Retreat. Started one location in High Texas, right there uh, in the 290 Wine Trail in the Texas Hill Country, and then uh, recently opened our second location right on Canyon Lake. So that's that's my real estate journey. Okay, all right, hold on. 
Uh, uh, automotive. You said something about automotive business. What, 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 in what capacity? What was that like? So I'm in the, uh, and I'm still currently employed in the, uh, one of the largest retailers of used cars in the United States. Okay. It's a name that I could come up with, I would imagine, if I tried. Yeah, yeah you, probably, you probably know us. Yeah, okay. So, and I'm a GM, and I, uh, so I, you know, I, I lead people for a living. Um, and a lot of skills that came in handy as we worked through this partnership with uh, the containers. So. And so the day-to-day there is the sale of cars. Yeah, lots, lots and lots. Are you in the transactions? Are you selling cars? Uh, no, no, I pretty much uh, just provide the support and assistance and guidance and direction and training and development to help did, everybody. Did you sell cars before you moved up? I did, yeah. Yeah, you oh. know, uh, when, um, really not very long when I, before I realized that this is something I wanted to do, so I just jumped into management. So I only, I only actually sold cars. I joke with people. Um, I'm like, look, in my illustrious career of selling 52 cars, uh, I learned a lot. Um, but uh, I, I didn't need to I didn't need to sell cars to, to know exactly that this was what I wanted to do. And that was gosh, that was 16 years ago. So how, how many how long does it take to sell 52 cars? I mean, what, in other words, uh, like, no, it didn't take on, me that long. Let me just ask you couple, a different way. Your top guy. How many cars a month? Um, a lot. Can't really tell you exactly how many, but quite a bit. Okay. More than you would think. More than 52. Uh, not, not a month. Now, okay. that would be okay. a guy. That okay. right there, man, you got a guy. That, that would be a guy right yeah, there. Yeah, but then he'd be he'd be dead in the ditch at some point because he's it burned probably out. Probably so. Yeah, yep, exactly. Fascinating. I, I love I love the world of sales. You know, Cardone uh, is uh, started out as a car salesman, and uh, I'm a big fan of him. And and uh, I, I mean, it, it that skill applies to just about every part of life. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're selling yourself to your you're selling yourself to the world every day. You know. Yep. So if you can't sell uh, if you can't sell a car, you can't sell yourself. You know, I mean, it's harder to sell yourself than it is some sell something that people need. <laughs> Cause that's right. Quite frankly, yep. nobody needs you, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, hate to say that maybe your family, but you still got to sell yourself to your wife and your kids every day and make sure you're, you're trying hard, you know? Um, so that's, that, right. that's fascinating. And what about the lost everything you glossed right over that at 40 years old? I mean, what does that mean? Give me some more details there. Yeah. So, you know, I put everything that I had saved at that point into our restaurant venture. And when it failed, um, you know, everything that I had went along with it. And so, um, you know, I always dreamt of being my own boss and having my own business by the time I reached 40 and I achieved that. I didn't realize that it was going to mean I had to start everything all over again. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a humbling time in my life. You know, I had, uh, um, you know, there was, it was basically cash only, um, there was, there was no getting credit from anybody. They don't, their credit cards don't like it when you, uh, declare bankruptcy. Um, but we still had our house and, uh, you know, I, I was selling cars, so I had some money coming in, but it wasn't, you know, what I was making prior in my, in my prior restaurant business, but in, in my prior restaurant life, but I just, I wasn't passionate about it. I mean, I could have went back into the restaurant business and made more money and it just wasn't, it wasn't well. And I was like, why did I spend all this time? doing this to go back and do the same thing that I just wasn't excited about. And so that's why I wish my, the rest of my life has been really dedicated to finding things that I'm passionate about and excited about. And if I'm not, I'm not going to do it. How many restaurants? So just one location. Yeah. Just the one was just enough. (laughs) We actually were, we, we were the very first franchisee of a concept out of Southern California. We thought that was a good thing because we were new, right? Uh, It turned out to be a bad thing because not everything was, ironed out the way it needed to be, but 
you know, it was a, it was, it was a year long of labor of love. And I, I made some great friendships and learned a tr tremendous amount of lessons that I could not have learned another way. And sure, I lost a lot of money, but you know, I, I think I'm a better businessman today because of those things that I learned and a, and a better leader um, of people because I had to try to, you know, lead the, the people through very challenging times at the restaurant. So all of those skills that I learned during that really difficult time have been able to help me where I am today. So. And what did you do before that? I was a, a multi-unit manager in the uh, pizza business. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So you've been a manager of one form or another for your whole life, basically. For, yeah, basically. That's right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so the, the, the restaurant didn't work out, filed bankruptcy. That's, uh, I'm, ter I'm, I'm terribly sorry about that. I guess I don't know really. Do you say sorry? I would assume so. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, not something I would say, Hey, you need to go out and do this. But, the restaurant uh, thing or? Or the bankruptcy thing. The bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> or the restaurant thing. People still ask me to this day. Hey, would you ever own another restaurant? I'm like, no. Why would I? There's much funner ways to lose money than to open a restaurant. <laughs> Let's buy so. a yacht with a casino yeah. on it. And then, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I owned a bar uh, in New York City, of all places, uh, in my 20s. And so I, uh, I, I kind of I feel your pain there. It is a lot of work. Uh, and my place was teeny tiny. It was, you know, we only had like six employees, 10 employees, tiny tiny little joint and no food so it was mm -hmm. uh uh i guess probably compared to what you were doing uh probably a lot easier quite frankly uh other than the hours maybe <laughs> the five in the morning thing get to you after a while but i mean i enjoyed it uh but i was in my 20s in new york city mm. uh in the night nightlife you know so it was how could you not have fun and then you get a little older um and uh stop playing around i suppose but uh but anyway yep. um that's cool, man. So, so, all right. Very interesting. Uh, the, the, now that the trailers, you basically kind of, I'm sorry, uh, containers fell into a partner there is what it sounds like. So, um, you kind of, for some, how did you even like, did you, where did you get the idea for this container thing? And, and, uh, like, what did that rabbit hole look like? Is there, uh, are there 15 different Facebooks for containers or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, it actually kind of evolved and, and morphed into what it is today. Originally, uh, when I was having conversations with Erin, one of our partners, um, she had some property up in Kerrville, uh, had a big, nice luxury house that she was airbnb and she had a bunch of land. And How she did you had, meet her? Uh, at, our, <laughs> at the fitness center in our neighborhood. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's a handful of folks that are there at six in the morning, and uh, we just with chat and, and you were and in trouble. were you in that that process part of the process where you're just talking to everybody about this and uh you know like uh they, they they preach that people preach that you know go out and just talk about it non-stop and eventually you'll find somebody yes exactly yeah, yeah. It, it worked and so so we we at first i i said hey you know what i'm, I'm i really think rv parks are I think RV, RV parks, great cash flow. I think it's something we could really do. So we started looking into that and then she came across the containers and she, uh, she's like, well, Hey, the, the, the return on these are what we, what it costs to build these out and, and what we can rent them for. I think the ROI is pretty good. So maybe we do a combination of both. And then we ended up the land that we originally had in our contract. There were so many legal issues with the owner. They had tax liens. So we found another piece of land. And that piece of land, they didn't allow RV parks. So we're like, okay, well, 
we've already got kind of an idea on these containers. So let's just do containers. Uh, and that's where it morphed into uh, the container retreat. So, and then she, in the meantime, had put two on her property and it kind of ironed out a few of the tweaks and uh, a few of the fine tuned it a little bit. And so we had an idea of what it costs to clean, how long it takes to clean, what the, what the, you know, power situation looks like sewer, all of that kind of stuff. So on a really small scale, so we were able to take it and adjust it to our large scale operation. How, how do I find a container? Is there, is, are there multiple brands? Is there like container buy a container.com? Like what, what, what am I doing there? Now there's tons of uh, places you can get them. I mean, being down here in Texas, you know, especially near Houston, there are a bunch of um, shipping containers because of the port port of Houston. So, you know, and there's varying levels. You can get them brand new. You can get them, you know, one trip. You can get them multiple trips. And they're cheaper, obviously, the multiple trips. There's a little bit more banged up. Um, so there's you can just go online and, and and Google shipping containers for sale, and you can find the empty containers. Uh, there are some vendors out there that will build them out for you. Um, or there's you can just do it your own with your own contractors. Really, it's just, you know, you've got to plumb the inside and they basically the shipping container by itself, the raw shipping container does come with these wooden floors, uh, but it's just raw metal. So all you have to do is, you know, put in your plumbing, fur out your walls and, and then you can build it just like you would a house. Sheetrock. Yep. Okay. Um, and what is the roof like on this, uh, this, this device here? Is it, uh, you have to put roll roof on it or anything or is it ready to go? No, no, it's ready to go. Just you got to make sure that there's no holes in it so that it doesn't leak. But uh, yeah, yeah, that flat metal roof, it, it'll water will come out. It'll just drain down the side, and it won't accumulate. Are these made out of steel? Yep, big metal boxes. No kidding. All right. Well, I'm, I'd love to ask you what they cost, but we're going to get deeper into the numbers here uh, in a minute. So um, now, for me, the the hard part is you can't finance it, right? Um, or at least not in the capacity that it's a single family home with a thirty year fixed. Uh, how does the financing or the purchase of the property of the uh, the container, how does that work? Yeah, so you're most likely, if you're going to do uh, a container home, it's going to have to be either a portfolio loan or a commercial loan. You know, with us, we're doing um, a large scale development uh, and multiple containers. So we did it as a commercial loan. Um, and I think we've got a 10 year term. In, the, in hindsight, we have a really good interest rate right now. So... <laughs> So you, you're telling me I can go to a local bank and say, I want to finance these containers uh, and they will give you a five-year fix for 10 year or 10 year AM or 10 year fix with a 20 year AM kind of, you know, same as a, as a house. Yeah. That's, that's, that's basically the structure that we went with. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. No kidding. So now obviously, you know, you, you, you've got to have, um, you know, you probably have to personally guarantee it uh, most likely. And then, uh, um, that was really the only thing they wanted to see that uh, the projections were there based on what the comps that in the uh, in the area are. As long as the comps come out fine and they feel like you're going to make enough money and you've got uh, the financial background to be able to secure the loan, then they're willing to do it. And they're comping this based on rental income on a container. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, because they I mean, all we had to do is show them the concept. Right, show them like uh, containers that are for rent. Uh, in our area, there's actually a few that are out there that are that are renting. So showing them the, the the their websites and showing how much they're going for, and providing them some air DNA numbers to 
get the uh, you know estimated rental income. Um, but this I think is, uh, the, the biggest thing. Uh, ha- had the bank had any experience with? In other words, if, if you just go to uh, your your cousin's uh, Texas Bankandloan dot com, whatever local bank. Uh, how many roadblocks did you get with this? Is what I'm asking. How many banks did you have to go to, and did did some of them say no? Uh, yeah, actually, we did. We we shopped it around. We looked at a few. In fact, we initially had um, the land loan with one bank, and they weren't willing to do the container construction. Um, so we reached out to our network and found a couple others that we uh, they were interested in. Finally, we were able to get somebody. Uh, a bank in Houston that was able to, and willing to uh, to do the financing for us. So it took a little bit of work. It wasn't like we had to go through 40 banks to to get somebody that would do it. Um, the, would it be, the banks are relatively familiar with it. Oh, they are. Okay. Would it be more difficult yeah. today, or you think it'd be probably pretty similar? Uh, well, I would say it might be a little bit more difficult today, just because they're looking for. Uh, lower LTVs that they're willing to do and the interest rates are higher. And so in some cases, the numbers may not work as favorably. Um, but I mean, I still feel like, I mean, there's, there's still banks that will be more than happy to, uh, to lend. In fact, I think there's some that are really want to lend. Did you do all the containers at one time and how many are there uh, on one parcel? Yeah, it's a great question. So in, uh, in high, we did um, 10 first. We did, well, we did all the infrastructure. So we did all of the, the uh, um, septic. We did all the electric, all the plumbing, all that for what would ultimately be 14 containers. Um, we, once we got the, the 10 20 foot containers, which, so you got, you got two, you got a 20 foot container, which is basically a studio. Uh, you have room for a bed, a kitchenette and a bathroom. And then we have 40 foot containers, which have a separate bedroom, bathroom, kitchenette, and another bed in the living room, fold out bed, Murphy bed, et cetera. Um, so we did 10 of the, uh, we did 10 of the 20 foot containers and we went in and opened up and started renting those. And then we used cash flow from that to finish the 40 foot containers that we have, which are kind of in a separate area, which are a little more space. You can sleep more people in that one. How much is it is a 20 foot container? One trip, a one tripper. Oh gosh, I want to say the last time I looked, I want to say they were somewhere in the neighborhood of somewhere between six to eight thousand, if I'm not mistaken. All right, and what's it cost to build one of these out? And again, obviously, I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm not. This is not a formula here, folks. I'm not. In other words, yeah. you buy that container for this much, you put this much rehab, and this is what it rents for. Come on, I mean, everybody thinks that it's like cut and dry, and it's so easy. You buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar house, you rent it for fifteen hundred dollars, and nothing ever breaks, and I make this much per month. Bull crap, you know. So, uh, but but give or take, what's it cost me to, to? How many square feet is it, and what's it cost me to build it out? Yeah, so it's it's an eight foot by twenty foot container. So it's one hundred and sixty feet. You take off probably, uh, you know, six inches on each side for your walls, and uh, so a little under it's about one forty ish. You're probably looking about now with the price of materials to fully uh, finish it, furnish it with everything you need. You're probably looking in the neighborhood of you can probably get it done for about thirty grand plus the purchase. So, so about forty grand. Yeah, so you're probably looking at about forty grand. 
Okay. Now, does the same bank do the? In other words, you said something about the bank didn't want to do the land and the and the process there, the pr- property. Did you move the loan for the land for the dirt to the bank that is uh, doing the the containers, or is it separate? Yes. Two separate banks. Nope. It's it's all the same. Okay, so I would imagine just, that would be a much better way to do it. Yeah, and they feel much better about it because now you have the land as more of a guarantee, mm-hmm. which they feel really good about land. How much does it cost to buy a forty footer? Uh, I think it's I think it's about fifteen grand okay, uh, if so. you want to get a good quality one, and then you're you're not, you're probably looking at about a I'm trying to remember the numbers. It's it's not double. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of forty five thousand to build out and and uh, and furnish. So sixty grand for a forty footer. Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay. Somewhere and, in that neighborhood. And of course, prices can vary depending upon your fur- the furniture and the finishes that you want to put in it. Did you go to the bank and they, they fronted the, uh, the the build out or did you have to build it with your own cash and then go back and, and, and take a, you know, a 2080 uh, loan to value kind of thing? No, we, uh, we got a construction loan. So, you know, we had all the, we had all of our uh, contracts in place and our estimates and everything and submitted it to the bank. And they said, okay, great. You're approved for this. You guys got to put up this amount of money. So as we would put our, put up our money, we'd submit it for our draw, get reimbursed. And, and in a lot of cases we would submit the invoices. So we had our contractor, we'd submit, he'd do the work, submit the invoice to the bank. They would give us the money for those invoices and we'd pay the, the contractor. So it worked out really well. Yeah, okay. I mean, I say really well, except for all of our costs were significantly higher because we we uh, another thing I would not recommend is don't do a major construction project right in the middle of the pandemic when prices are like escalating every day. Yeah. Um, so but uh, um, but yeah, the bank was, you know, just a regular old construction loan worked out really well. All right. And while we're on the number subject here, how much does a 40? 40- uh, grand a uh, 20 footer gross in a year or, or what's the best metric to analyze that yeah so <clears throat> the i guess it's really just dependent upon where you are um so the a 20 foot is probably going to gross about on the conservative side about a thousand dollars a month um in high because you're going to get mainly weekends in canyon lake we might gross Fifteen hundred to two thousand uh, dollars a month, on average, because we're going to get longer stays during the summer. So it just it depends on what your customer avatar is and whether and and what your area is all about. So if you're in a more populous area where people might have longer stays, uh, then you know you could potentially have a little bit more. Uh, one of the things though, you're these are certainly not these small ones are not conducive for super long stays. Um, at some point. You know, you're going to you're going to be tired of just a, a small studio space. So, Are all of them tied under the same septic system? Yes. So and that was part of our construction. We had to have a large enough enough septic system to be able to handle all of the uh, the people that are going to be in there. How many bedrooms is the field line approved for or a uh, no, number of feet of field line? If you if you know off the top of your head. Um, I know that I'm not sure of the feet, but we. The system that we have will accommodate, so we got 10, 14, like 20 doors. Okay. So, so 20, it's, 20 it's toilets. Bigger than what you need. Yes, because we do have 15 acres 
in high and we and we're planning to expand in Canyon Lake. We're we're right at where we need. So we have just the right amount for what we have in there. So we have a smaller plot there. How does insurance work? It's uh, it's just like any other uh, short term rental insurance. I mean, you know, we're insuring each of the uh, containers for replacement cost. And then, you know, we have our liability costs and uh, and and you're, you know, just yeah, that's and then loss of loss of rental yeah, coverage. Yeah, lots of use. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What what is a container sitting on? Concrete, concrete pad. So just a flat like a basketball court. Uh, yep. Like a, and then they're um, they're bolt they're bolted. So we have the you know you pour the concrete, you put bolts in there, bolt it down, weld it, all that fun stuff. So Very it's definitely cool. not going anywhere. Not at all. <laughs> So uh, does this uh, complex there, let's just stick with uh, one of the two, I guess, and just pick pick whichever one in your brain. Uh, what is it? Is this like, uh, Mar- I'm picturing Marfa. Like, have you ever been to Marfa? Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually from Alpine, which is way cooler. But <laughs> I'm not familiar with Alpine. Uh, but It's uh, 30 miles away from Marfa. So. Okay, so no, middle um, of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, sort of. It similar so actually out in uh, in high well i'll pick high because i think that's probably the one i'm most familiar with i have most day-to-day operations so it's right along it's just it's kind of a combination of um napa and uh far west texas where there's nothing else right at least in napa you've got a little more activity out here it's winery after winery after winery relatively uh, you know, you've got some undulation in the in the topography. So it's the Texas Hill Country, obviously, but it's not you know, it's not mountainous. Um, so you've got some ups and downs and some turns. And but just as far as the eye can see, between us and Fredericksburg, which is about 20 miles, it's just winery after winery after winery. It's small, big. Some people are growing vineyards. Some people aren't growing vineyards. So if you're coming to see us, you're coming out to, to drink some wine. Um, and maybe some beer because now a lot of the wineries are adding breweries because they know if half of the party is there to drink wine, the other half will stay longer if they have some beer to drink. <laughs> so is there a front desk? No, it's all remote. So it's all done through, you know, the, the major platforms. We have a direct booking platform as well. Uh, and everything's, you know, just in fact, I was, earlier I got a message from somebody that like, hey, I'm going to check in at 10 p.m. What do I do? I'm like, don't worry about it. You're going to get a code. You can check in whenever you want. You just call me if you have any questions. So you are handling the day-to-day management, which we'll get into that. But yeah, of all of it, uh, both uh, for, no. So we've split up the property management between. Well, I handle high, and uh, one of our partners handles Canyon Lake. That'd be a little bit much uh, for me to be able to do to have to do both of those. And so what kind of occupancy out. do you have in a, a given day? Like right now, how many of the fourteen are full? Yeah. So right now, actually, it's. Uh, <laughs> May, unfortunately, is a little bit uh, slower than we would anticipate. But I would say on a, on, a real, on a good month where we're making profit, we're 30% occupied. Mm. And so that basically is every weekend plus a few weekdays sprinkled in there. Um, during March was our busiest month. I think we got to 42% occupancy. Uh, but, it, I mean, our break even is 19% occupancy. Mm. So it's good to know we, that. A lot of folks don't know that. So if you're listening to this, what's your break even? What do I need to charge per night for how many nights to pay my 
my damn bills. You know, That's nobody right. nobody knows that. I mean, how, <clears throat> I, it blows my mind. I get somebody comes in like yesterday. I talked to this lady. She was very sweet, and she she was uh, not a client actually, but I was very uh, still happy to help her. Um, not I, I don't even know if anybody knows what that means. The short term shop uh, is what I'm talking about. Avery's a uh, company, of course, uh, and. Uh, and she was telling me, oh, I'm not getting much June. I was trying to get some June going, and I can't get any June, and I'm, I'm, my prices are super low. Um, and, and I said, well, what are your prices? And she said, 375 And I said, well, let's do 375 at, you know, 25% occupied, or 25% uh, twenty five nights, so whatever that is, 80 85% occupied. Uh, quick math there is uh, uh, over $9,000 a month. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, lady, is your monthly nut over nine thousand? Is it nine thousand dollars a month? I mean, because that's a ton of dough to sustain. It's just a single family home, and I'm thinking to myself, well, your your, your purchase price could be extremely high. I mean, higher than what what I could afford probably to have a nine thousand dollar nut, you know. Um, and people, my point is, bravo, you just spit it out like this. Ninety percent occupied is my break even, and. 99% of people out there have no idea that they should even know that or even know that it's a thing. So that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, how are you doing HVAC on these things? Uh, mini I know I'm, all, all over, I'm all over the place, yep. but man, everything that you say brings another whole nother realm of real estate into my brain. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 how's that work? So HVAC. Yeah. So each one of them has a mini split. Um, it doesn't take long to heat and cool that, uh, that small space. So it works out nicely. Um, so uh, it's a mini split. Uh, you just yeah. put it on the wall and it's probably pretty inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, depending on, um, what brands you get, I mean, if you want to go, you go really expensive and get the Mitsubishi's and spend probably three grand installed. Um, or you can get some other less known, uh, varieties and probably get it somewhere between 1500 to two grand installed. And, you know, when you take everything and multiply it times 14, Luke, you got to, you got to keep in mind the cost of everything because you're like, Oh, it's not that much different. Oh, but you got to multiply that times 14. And, but then maybe up. you get a little break for uh, buying 14 of them at once. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Not enough to make it uh, not hurt really bad. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by the premier short-term rental Facebook group, short-term rental, long-term wealth. We have nearly 50,000 members. This is the biggest independently owned and operated SCR Facebook group, and it has been curated by yours truly, Cashflow Carl. Join us on Facebook. Search the groups for short-term rental, long-term wealth. That's short-term rental, long-term wealth on Facebook. All right, well, let's talk management. So you're on, uh, explain to me your process there. And, uh, and th I, hey, man, it really warmed my heart to, to know that you kind of were inspired to get into that realm of this but but from avery which is wonderful uh, uh that really is uh, an amazing thing um and uh you made me happy there so how does the management work uh platforms softwares uh just in a nutshell yeah so um <clears throat> for i'll just talk uh through the one that i manage in in high so i uh, ended up going with logify as my platform manager as my channel manager uh i really like their um, direct booking website creation. And so, uh, and I tested them out for a little while and 
liked it so much, I decided just to keep it. So uh, obviously we're on every one of the major platforms, Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com. Um, and then we have our own direct booking website. Uh, we also have our own um, container retreat website that we created for all of our current plus potential future locations. So you can go to that location and then go to each one of the um, locations that determine if, whichever one you want to book and that'll go to their own their own booking website. Um, and then I just manage everything from my phone. I mean, I just keep my phone with me at all times. And I get a, I got a couple of bookings this morning. I was super excited about because, like I mentioned, May, May's been, whew, it's been a challenge, Luke. I'm telling you. Um, but everything I handle from my phone, it, it's really, I would say, um, it takes me at, of at least 500 hours a year to uh, to manage these properties, Luke. 500, okay, at least all, 500 hours a year. Hold on, too many. You're too good with these numbers, man. So 500 divided by 52 is nine hours a week. Yeah, when you take, so I also I do the books. Is that's my that's my my contribution to the partnership. My sweat equity is what I do best, right? So whatever, if you ask anybody that knows me, they will tell you that I'm a math guy. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, I love math, um, and so I do the books and. Um, so that that in combination with you know looking at the listings and making any adjustments, um, <clears throat> updating photos, guest communication. Um, from time to time, I'll go out to the property. I tr I try as much as I possibly can to manage it as a uh, as hands off as possible without going there because um, I want to manage through other people. I don't want to do it myself. But there are times when I just need to go up there and spend some time getting some stuff done and and uh inspecting the property so you add all that stuff together and it's yeah it's about nine hours a week ish okay um but it's all broken up right okay so it sounds to me like it's not rocket science it's basically just like managing any vacation rental uh anywhere is there any difficulties with them being kind of close together i mean they're really essentially kind of like a hip version of a mobile home aren't they so is there any issues with neighbors um, so there, there can be from time to time, uh, and yeah, they, and they're relatively close and they're, we've got them set in a pod of five and a pod of five and a pod of four. So there's, if you're staying in one of the pods and there's somebody in one of the other containers making too much noise, <clears throat> that can be a challenge. I've had to deal with that. We had a, a wedding party that was really excited and, um, somebody that wasn't part of the wedding wedding party wasn't as excited and, and uh, willing to party as much as they were. So, um, but overall, there really hasn't been that much of an issue. And since we are on 15 acres and we're surrounded by wineries, they don't really care so much because they're all closed at six and our people are there. The only time they're, they're there in our containers are later in the evening. So, it doesn't con it doesn't create a problem with our neighbors. In fact, the neighbors like it because we're bringing in people that are staying there that can now walk next door to buy some wine. Wonderful. Uh, how's the water being, uh, you know, plumbed into the to the to the structures? Yeah. So <clears throat> we've actually got in high we have a well, and so here's another thing. Here's a little something that you have to keep in mind. Um, you can't just go out there and build a bunch of containers and 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 have a well and think you're good. Um, and now in, in the state of Texas, if you're gonna service 24, uh, 25 or more people, you have to be certified as a public water system. So that was a whole nother can of worms. 
So we, we had our well, but then we had to add a certain size uh, tank and a certain size pressure pump and a certain size uh, um, chlorinator and um, all these things and, and be inspected and spend an ungodly amount of money to the engineers. How much? How much? Get, How much? Uh, at least 60 grand. Just to the um, engineers. Just to the engineers to be able to. And now, they, granted, they did it in record time. They work directly with the state and they tell us exactly what we need, file all the paperwork. So now we are a certified public water system so we can operate, you know, as many people as we need. And we're clean and clear, which if we decide to ever sell this property, that's a that's a benefit. That's not everybody is. Uh, how deep is this well? I mean, like uh, gallons per minute, or do you have a? Is, it, is there a holding tank? I mean, at this point, it's almost like a water tower, I guess. But uh... yeah, so our, our holding tank is not huge. I want to say it was only 500 gallons, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's concrete, um, and it's so it's not gigantic. It's only about 10 feet tall or so, um, and I would say about eight feet across. Um, and I'm, I couldn't tell you how deep it is uh, or the gallon from it. All I know is that it's more than enough water than we need for the people that we have. <laughs> that's, you know, everybody's got their specialty, right? Well, one of our partners, that's his specialty. He, he handled all that and just told me when we were good to go. How many partners are involved? Uh, so in, uh, in, in both properties, I think there's probably six. There's six in one, and then we've got 10 in the other. Oh. So... But there's only uh, what we did is to make it super easy. You know, we have our managing partners. So there's three managing partners for high and there's four managing partners for Canyon Lake. Just so that because you get too many people involved and it just gets really, really difficult. Uh, you got to have somebody that's running the operation. Mm-hmm. Um, when something goes wrong. Uh, well, well, hold on. Before I ask you that, uh, how far out in the country are we? Where's the nearest town and how big is it? Uh, so Johnson City is the closest town, and Johnson City's probably got it's got less than ten thousand. I would I would say maybe maybe even less than five thousand. Um, but you've got a small grocery store, and you got several restaurants, and you know you got some emergency medical if you need it. And then Fredericksburg is the next largest town, and it's about twenty miles away. How far do you live? I live about an hour away. Okay, if I so need- if there's a major problem. If, uh, if I got a, a, a toilet backed up, who do I call? Well, the tenants would call me yeah, and I would call one of our, yeah, we, we have three, we have three handymen. And so I start out with one and if he's not available, I'll move to the next one. And where and do so they live? They actually live around in the area and uh, where the containers are. Yep. So they're rural. They're, they're, they're kind of, uh, jack of all trades live in the middle of nowhere kind of guys. Exactly. And, and what's funny is two of the three of them um, have a direct relationship with our cleaning, with our cleaner. <laughs> so, uh, and that's kind of, because when you're out there, um, you're going to do multiple things. So one cleaner uh, for the whole property, one cleaner. Yeah. So she, she has multiple associates. So it functions for her. Like it's a hotel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no. And did you go looking for these people before you uh, bought the dirt and say, hey, man, we're in the middle of freaking nowhere out here. Are we even going to be able to find somebody or did you just say, screw it, we'll find somebody later? Uh, no, no, no. We're we, we a little bit more prepared than that. Um, when we got that, when we found the land and got it under contract, we started immediately researching to determine who could be uh, who could help us out. 
Um, and it's a good thing we did because our initial cleaner, um, as we got further down the road, she ended up having a, um, a family emergency and, and decided she wasn't going to do that anymore. So then we had to go out and find somebody else. Fortunately, we had enough time because we had, we had planned ahead of time. So we were able to find another cleaner that uh, did work in the area that was referred by some other short-term rental owners that we uh, had made friends with. And uh, we've been using her ever since. Because this is a very short-term rental friendly area. I mean, it's a very well-known thing in this area. It's not, you didn't, the, at least the overnight rental part of it, you didn't break any molds there, right? It's a very common thing. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So there's definitely service providers. Any kind of sure. pushback from the county or city, or I guess there's no city from the county. Uh, what, what did that process look like? No, fortunately for us, uh, being in, in the county, there really were very few restrictions. The only thing that they cared about was the septic system to make sure that we had the proper septic uh, for what we were doing. Uh, the water was through the state. And then, you know, that, that's really about it. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so it seems like they're very kind of self-sustaining prop structures here. Like there's uh, not a whole lot to break. What's the kitchen look like? What does it consist of as far as the stove, et cetera? So we've got, um, you know, a sink. Uh, we've got a mini fridge, a microwave. Um, when we do have some, uh, some, what do they call them? Um, portable protein, propane um, stoves, camp stoves that if somebody really, really wanted to cook, they could go outside and cook on that. Um, but we provide wine glasses, mugs, uh, a drip coffee maker with our own branded uh, coffee and, um, and sugar cream, but just the basics really. Uh, what, what percentage uh, sounds like, I, <laughs> I, gotta, I think you're probably gonna know off the top of your head. Of the bookings come from where? Uh, Airbnb, Verbo, uh, direct booking, et cetera. Yeah, so it used to be, and I do know. Um, thank you very much. It, it used to be, it used to be about sixty forty Airbnb versus everybody else. Uh, this last month in in, uh, in April, it was about forty percent Airbnb, uh, and then this this month, I've only had two bookings through Airbnb. Everything else has been through VRBO Booking com or our direct booking website. Hmm. So it's and. I was curious as to why. Um, and so I went incognito and went on Airbnb and we're, I'm still seeing when I'm searching, high, I'm seeing our stuff pop up. So it's not like we disappeared off Airbnb. I guess people just aren't as interested in jumping on Airbnb and going and find a place to stay right now. But what are your thoughts on um, booking.com? But how, how much, what are your thoughts on booking.com in general? Uh, so I have a love hate relationship with booking.com. Uh, I really hated it when I was trying to set up my listings. Oh my God. Because I wanted to set up multiple listings and they kept, oh, it's just, it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. so I have multiple conversations, but once we got it up, um, it works fine. They pay me my money. I don't, I'm not a huge fan that when you, and I could turn this off and I, I probably should, but when you lose, use the mobile app for booking.com, you can save 10%. Um, and so I'm paying 15% commissions on booking.com and then they're saving so I'm, it's it's better than not having a booking but it's not better than the other platforms how about okay. that okay okay yeah among many other things that uh kind of get annoying over there occasionally i'm not here to crap on anybody but uh, yeah yeah i'm with you there 
Uh, and the direct booking website is through your management software. Uh, sounds like it's probably nothing revolutionary, just pretty easy, easy to deal with. And is it through, uh, through Stripe is the payment method, I would assume? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Uh, so I can just go to the containerretreat.com or whatever it may be and uh, book directly with you. And, and folks seem to do that occasionally. They do. Yeah, actually, we're seeing um, quite a few. Um, I'm getting probably, I'd say, 30% of my bookings now um, through our direct booking website. And that's either organically, they're coming across the containerretreat.com on Google, or they're doing a, uh, a search and they're, you know, of places to stay in high and they're getting to us that way. Uh, I also do some Facebook ads uh, that has got, they get a little bit of traction and get a few bookings out of that. So um, yeah. And, and I, I like that we have bookings across a lot of different platforms and are not relying upon just one because, you know, I've heard too many horror stories about how Airbnb, if they, they get mad at you uh, and they, yeah. uh, they took down your listing, then you're, you're kind of in bad shape. So I, I really like how we've diversified across all these different platforms. We love you, Airbnb. Um, if you happen, anybody happens to be listening. Um, but anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, in your case, I think that this is very much so uh, off-platform situation. You've got, you've got a, uh, you know, this is a, th a thing. You know, this is not just a cabin in the woods. It's, which is great. I'm not trying to poop on that, poo-poo -poo that. But uh, uh, this is, uh, you got a, a, it's kitschy. It's a niche. It's a thing. It's, a, it's cute. It's just, to me, again, I haven't seen it in real life, but it sounds a hell of a lot like El Cosmico, if anybody's ever been there, uh, which... Uh, you know, I mean, a little bit of publicity and a couple of really just some, some word of mouth and some time. And I would imagine you're probably going to end up mostly uh, on your own website. I think the, the problem is with people just trying to rent a single family home on their own website. You're, you're dealing with um, Jimmy's cabin.com versus a $10 billion company website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult. But with you, it seems like over time here we can gain some real momentum and maybe those, you know, those weddings, uh, you know, word of mouth, that kind of thing. It's a vibe. You got a, you got a whole compound worth of cool here. So uh, am I right there? Do you agree? We can push, we focus on starting pushing more to the uh, direct booking? Yeah, you're spot on. In fact, uh, in one of the, one of the things uh, with our Canyon Lake property is we've hired a, a wedding coordinator. Um, not really a coordinator, but more of a marketer. Uh, to really focus on those micro weddings, to be able to say, hey, you can rent out our whole property. You can have your wedding here. We're not going to make you buy food from us. You can bring in your own food and really make it a, a value proposition for somebody that wants to do an all-inclusive kind of a thing. They have the uh, wedding we, on the property. Yeah, yeah. Is there a chapel kind of thing? I mean, where, where do they do it? Yeah, so we have a, uh, a, a silo that is made into like a, um, just a, a pergola kind of a thing. So we've taken this metal silo and it's just a hangout area. So you can have it in there and there's area around it that you can have uh, seating um, or there's other places that within the property that you could have it uh, so that you can make it an all inclusive kind of a thing. Uh, and in high, we've partnered with uh, a couple of different <clears throat> wedding venues put, so they've listed us as their uh, kind of primary uh, provider of, of housing, but, yeah, the direct booking allows us to do things and save people a lot of money. 
So for example, I've got a, uh, a group that reached out to me there. They're going to be getting married in October. And he reached out and he's like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm looking at seven containers cause we're getting married. And I'm like, Oh, that's the weekend of the eclipse. My friend, um, let me see. I was going to raise prices, but I can probably make you a deal. But that allows me now to be able, I've got that weekend in October almost completely booked and not have to worry about it. And they saved whatever the booking platform fees that they, they would have had to pay if they had booked all these through Airbnb. And I was able to facilitate it for him and saved him a lot of time and money. So yeah, those, those kind of things I think are what's going to continue to build our business. And as we build both businesses, there's plenty of other places that we are interested in in adding additional locations. So we're not looking at just opening an Airbnb in the hill country. We're looking at building a brand. Yes, I agree. It's a different thing. Um, do you have any horror stories for me? Um, they so, don't have to be, you know, like somebody got their head chopped off, but, you know, anything yeah. of note? Well, no, there's a, I mean, there's one kind of problem guest. It wasn't really a horror story, but he just kind of aggravated me. So I was up there um, working on one of the containers and my, my wife with me and we were going to, and my daughter, we went up there and we we're doing a little work and then we we're going to stay the night and hang out and then come back home the next day. And so I noticed that there was a car driving around and he, uh, I flagged him down. I'm like, yeah, can I help you? He's like, yeah, I'm, I got this container for rent and I didn't get any instructions and da da da. I'm like, did you book through VRBO by any chance? Cause for some reason, sometimes the, channel manager and VRBO don't always play well together. Um, but so I got him into his thing and he said, he said, he made a comment. He said, well, this isn't really like the pictures. And I was like, like it's, I took the pictures myself. I know there it's exactly the pictures that it's a tiny house. I mean, I don't know what you're expecting. So he goes and checks in and then he had, and he wanted um, additional towels and he wanted this and he wanted that. And then his water heater went out, which is not oh. his fault. Not his fault. So the water heater goes out. Good. I mean, next thing the next morning, um, we got it fixed. But here's how he let me know the hot water heater went out. We're in the container as a family, my wife, my child, in our container, hanging out. And he walks over and knocks on the door. And I'm like, dude, you have my phone number. You've got. Did he know it was you? Did he know it was you? Don't. Yeah, because I had talked to him earlier to give him directions to to the container. I'm like, you don't come knocking on my door with my family. That ain't right. So, but anyway, he still wasn't happy no matter what we did. And you just learn to live with it. That's great. Uh, what is the water heater situation? It's a, uh, it's this tankless hot water heater. that's about this big, like a, like an RV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And for a while, you know, the well water, I don't know if you know anything about the hill country water, but it's super, super hard. We got the limestone here and it's super, super hard. So until we got everything going with the chlorinator and everything, we were, we were seeing these hot water heaters burn out because uh, they just got clogged up with lime. And so we were, we were having multiple issues with that. And unfortunately it happened when he was there and I didn't have any place to put him. Uh, I was completely booked. Normally if something happens like that, if I got one open, I'll just slide them over. Completely booked, no, no, cho no choice. But good news is my uh, handyman was handy and came in that morning. And the guy said, yeah, be there at nine o'clock. My handyman knocks at the door at nine o'clock and he's like, oh, can you come back in 30 minutes? Like, come on, bro. Did, uh, did he leave a bad review? Of course he did. But yeah. he did it on Google instead of uh, VRBO. Oh, he went, he did a Google review. So that's even worse. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so I replied. I, I put a nice little reply on there. But again, you can't win them all.
No, you can't win them all. Okay, is it repeatable? This is what I want to know. Is it? Can, in other words, could you franchise this thing? Could you go do it somewhere else and repeat it? Uh, I believe so. I mean, one of the things that we we went through all this learning. Um, I mentioned it when we were talking on the other podcast that you know one we thought we knew what we needed, uh, but it wasn't until we went and stayed there as a test that we realized, oh wait, we're missing this, we're missing that, we're missing this, we're missing that. And then you know as we get feedback from guests of, hey, we loved it, but it would be nice if you had this or if you had that. So we've taken all of those things now, and now we have this template. So if we either are to expand this particular location or move to another location, we're like, okay, we already know what we know and what we need to do. We've got a plan for it. We can just go and execute that. And as long as the numbers work and we've got the right amount of traffic available, then I mean, it absolutely is. And then that's our plan is to repeat it in multiple locations. Um, would you again, franchise it out to other people, like sell the idea basically. <sighs> In the process. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, look, nothing's off the table. Um, as we as we continue to grow and build the brand name to where it actually has some type of value to be able to franchise, then, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think that is something that we would entertain in the future. In some way, are you trying to uh, recoup the failed franchise of uh, the restaurant? Um, <laughs> we don't, I'm not here to get, be your psychiatrist, but... Um, what, well, let me ask you another hard question here. Would you do it again? Knowing everything you know now. Well, first of all, when, how long has this been? Like, when did you build these things and would you do it again? Knowing what you know now today? Yeah. So, um, we actually started back in 2020, summer of 2020, April, April of 2020. Um, and we finally were able to get open. Uh, and that's when we first put the land under contract. And then by the time we got all that and got all our contractors and everything and started construction and it took a little over a year, we opened for business August of last year in high. And then we opened for business in February or December, December in Canyon Lake, we opened for our first booking. So um, there's been a lot of challenges, Luke. I ain't going to lie to you, man. It, it, there were some times where I was questioning my life choices. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I feel I'm super proud of the product that we've been able to create. And, you know, the feedback from our customers has been phenomenal. So I'd absolutely do it again. I mean, would I do some things differently? Yeah, uh, for sure. But I mean, that's what comes with going through these these challenges. And whenever you're doing something for the first time, there's a tremendous amount of learning that you're going to have. And so that's what makes the second, third or fourth locations much easier because of those learnings. I'm like, OK, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this, and we're definitely going to do this, this, and this. Fascinating. So, yeah. Fascinating. But um, you're happy with the product. Uh, you're, you're, you're. I mean, it sounds fast. I love the place. It, it's just really a cool idea. Um, so uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Everybody needs to go stay at the Container Retreat and leave a fantastic Google review. Um, do you have a, a book you've read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, there's one book, as, as you said, I've been a manager pretty much all my life. Um, and I've, I've always been, I, I haven't really, really known for being a, an empathetic person. I've been more of a, hey, I, don't, I don't care. We got to get this done anyway, kind of a, a thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you're, speaking, you're speaking my language, man. <laughs> and so, but, but I, I really got a tremendous amount of value out of a book by Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. And it's all about how to be empathetic 
uh, vulnerable and lead with your whole heart. And she talks about how when you do that, you're able to really bring a lot more people along with you because they're truly bought into you and what you want them to do because they know that you're truly bought into them. Uh, so that I have really good key learnings that not only have helped me with my, you know, my nine to five, but also in, in helping to lead this group of, of investors. Um, it's, it's very similar. I mean, you've got to have the same skill set to try to get all these people together and, and heading in the right direction. I'm a huge fan of uh, Brene Brown. I think she's wonderful. So bravo, bravo. Uh, anything else we need to know on the way out and how do we find you? Yeah, the best way is thecontainerretreat.com. Um, you can uh, get through both uh, both of our uh, locations there. You can send us an email. You can join our mailing list. Uh, you can get me that way. Uh, that's really the best way. Um, I'm also on uh, Instagram at Texas Gilmer. Um, and then uh, we've got our uh, Facebook pages for both the Container Retreat at 290 Wine Trail and the Container Retreat at Canyon Lake. Wonderful. Man, hey, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for coming on Short-Term Rental Management. Long hair, Luke, Stephen Gilmer, don't overthink it.